Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ, and welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Today's episode is, I'm emotionally intelligent. Why isn't everybody else? Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Joining me as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hello, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric. I'm doing fine, and I hope all our listeners are too. So, Jeff, that title uh, really kind of tripped me up a bit, and I know we talked on law offline about, well, what are, where are we going with this? And I, I guess I wanted to start uh, for our audience uh, a number of our clients, especially here lately, uh, have brought up the question, well, what do you do when you encounter somebody who's not emotionally intelligent and you're like working on this stuff and you're growing with your emotional intelligence? And how does that how do, how do you deal with somebody who's not emotionally intelligent? Um, and I think it's not so much because at this point in time, we're not post covid, uh, unfortunately, Uh not a lot of people are back in the office. I know that some have been kind of moving there. So I think it's a blend, right, of mm-hmm. personal relationships and the professional ones. Right. Um, boss to, to, you know, to subordinate and back the other way type thing. Um, I've even had a conversation with a potential client uh, that – hold on. Let me change that from potential client. It even goes to I have a client, one of our clients, that uh, talked to me about how – the senior level manager was kind of on the fence about emotional intelligence and could that be a problem? And of course we never tell anybody what to do in the sense of Mm -hmm. how they engage with us, but we do warn them that there can be that die, that sort of that collision course when you have this disconnect between, especially if you're in an organization that's hierarchical, right? right. In nature. So when you think about that, Jeff, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on engaging and getting along with or whatever you want to describe it with those that are not emotionally intelligent? 
I think part of it, it boils down to how much of a relationship are you in that person? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, how much of a relationship you have with that person? If the the person that's waiting on you at the gas station is not very emotional intelligent, you probably don't really need to worry about that because it's just a a quick interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are in a relationship with a somebody, you know their office is across the hall and their cubicle is next to you, or right. you're living in the same house that you can't get out of because <laughs> you're under quarantine, right? Then that's when you need to put the effort into it, right? And you know, hopefully, we'll give some good tips and some ideas. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna be careful not to jump too quickly into the tips and solutions mm-hmm. idea. Um, one of the things that's really been crossing my mind and and, and I've had this question posed to me about how well our business is doing because of things like this pandemic mm-hmm. and that it's exposing the weaknesses and the needs. And, and I, I can appreciate that question. Um, but I also, I tell them, you know, it, it's a double edged sword, you know, on one hand, yes, it makes what we do much more viable. Uh, however, you know, this is messy work. Mm-hmm. And you have these dynamics out there of, you know, emotional intelligence is not necessarily the most widely known, used discipline, learning, if you will, out there. Not to mention the fact, and this is one refrain that I typically go to, and that is people just don't work on themselves. Right. And I don't throw that out there to say, it's because they don't care or it's because they're lazy or it's not an insult because some of it I think is just, at least in America, the it's kind of a cultural norm in a way. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I go, okay, you know, isn't it ironic? We have all the information to just about anything that we'd want to know. We can get it probably in about five seconds by doing a search on Google. Mm-hmm. If our boss says, hey, we've got this project and we need to have it done in the next two months, all hands on deck, people will rise to that occasion. When you say, hey, you know what? You should spend some time working on you. It's like you get that look. You get that strange silence like, well, what do you mean? And I used to think it was because you shame on you. But as time has gone on, Jeff – even before you and I met, mm-hmm. I started realizing, wait a minute, this is, I think this got into the water somehow because it's not that I, I don't, I have, very rarely do I encounter people who are like, hey, I don't need this. This is not important. I'm not important. What's most important is that I get that next promotion. I don't have anyone. I, I can't think of anyone that I've in, interacted with that had that sort of hardened approach about it. So, some of the problem maybe is it hasn't become culturally normal to really not work on yourself. Right. So if that if what I'm describing to you is true, even partially, um, what other other problems do you think that has caused us to be maybe not the most emotionally intelligent society? I think some of them are, you know, you, you know, you have to succeed at any cost. Uh, 
you know, you it's about me getting to where I want to be, whether it's the promotion, whether it's mm-hmm. I want to be um, living in a $3 million home or driving Lamborghinis or, or, or whatever that is that's driving you. And when you're focused on only that, um, there's no room for anything else. Yeah, because that almost speaks to the idea of like a a glass that has, you know, a 16-ounce glass that's full of water up to 15 inches, right, mm-hmm. or 15 ounces. Mm-hmm. And then you can't pour. I mean, if you do pour more, it's going to end up you're going to have a mess. Right. Right. And so what you have to do is, I like the, the glass analogy you're using, you may have to take three or four or five ounces out of that class yeah. because you reevaluate what's important. Hold that one because that's a great solution, and we're going we're gonna to get to that toward the end, but that's really good, Jeff, exactly. Uh, that, that, I, I think we can unwrap that a, a great deal. Um, I think also I, I kind of got a sense from what you are saying there is, is it a form of selfishness? Selfishness, you know, to me, is I think something that you don't realize you're doing Right. Um, so it's, you know, you're not really aware of, of of what you've become or what your actions are. Um, so I guess that would be selfishness. It's usually not with intent. Yeah, and I, I like I like where you're going there because I, I, I saw an interview. Uh, and I mentioned this in one of our other podcast episodes, I believe, um, with uh, a gentleman by the name of John McWhorter. And uh, John McWhorter is a linguistics professor at Columbia. Uh, really smart individual, but very thoughtful, Jeff. And I, I saw him on a podcast, uh, video cast, whatever you want to call it. And uh, the co-host of the show brought something up that really challenged his thinking. And I thought it was fascinating. I'm watching the video, and I could see him. And I, I don't want to project and say I know what he was thinking but it appeared like he was like struggling wrestling with what was just presented to him and he said I I think I I just need some more time to reflect on this now that really was pretty powerful but then he goes on to say I I think that's one of the things that's missing in our discourse in our culture is like we don't reflect do you think that the the lack of desire or the lack of practice, that's probably the better mm-hmm. way to say it, of reflection might be a contributor as well? Yeah, I think with the way we have communications today and everything else, people are expecting an instant response from you. Right. Um, I go back to before Telegraph. If you were in England and you sent a ship to Australia – you didn't know what was going on, so you had to. You just had to wait. It was months and months or years before you right. would get an answer back. So that leaves lots of time to think about stuff. Yeah. But now, if you're, if you've got a, a client in Australia, it's just the same as if you're sitting across the table from them. Sure, be it by text or some other Zoom, messaging. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think because of that, we don't take the time to think about it. We have. To, we feel pressured into giving an instant response, an instant reaction of some sort. It almost makes me think of it in terms of it's like advancing the decline, mm. you mm-hmm. know, because on one hand, I feel like, man, look at all the tools we have to talk to our client in Australia by Zoom right now. Mm-hmm. 
but we don't spend any time on reflection, so we're moving back. Well, you had the client in Australia, and you, you have some information to give to them before all of the electronics, so you know you would have to write out a letter. Right. And you would take time writing out the letter because – you know, you you had to think ahead. You had to put mm-hmm. you you had to make sure you put everything in there the right way. And then when that person would get the letter, their response would be the same way. Well, this is going to take a long time to get there. I'd better make sure mm-hmm. I'm really saying what I want to say. And I think yeah, that's that's part of the decline you're talking about. Well, and I think there's another thing that comes to my mind. And uh, one of your favorite uh, thought leaders, Brene. I think she pronounces it Brene. Brene. Brene Brown. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw a an, an interview uh, with uh, Tim Ferriss, the Four Hour Work Week. I always call him the Four Hour Work Week guy, but I'm, I know he's done more than that. However, and she she talked about this idea of curiosity, the importance of it. Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked about it, uh, probably to the point of nausea for our audience, but uh, we talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. inside the podcast and outside with our clients. This idea of being able to look at a situation or a problem and tackle it from a curiosity perspective and not judgment. And um, I think our lack of curiosity is a contributor to the problem of low emotional intelligence because curiosity demands you to to stay in that place. It demands you that you have to reflect on what's yeah. going on. Yeah, exactly. And and hear us out, everyone in the audience. We are not anti-technology. Are we, Jeff? No. <laughs> right? And we're also not here to tell you that your lack of curiosity or lack of reflection is a, is a mark. We're just bringing up the problems and what may be contributing to the issue of low emotional intelligence. And I would dare say all of us have reasons. We could probably cite reasons of why we don't want to be curious and we don't want to reflect. We may be afraid of what we may find or Mm -hmm. we may find ourselves going to the door of a house that we don't want to go into. And Benet Brown, wonderful job of – explaining that what's behind that door, she didn't use that analogy, but if what behind what is behind that door is 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 ferocious and big, then you need help. Mm-hmm. And that's a counselor, a therapist, what have you. You've got to be able to determine what's behind that door. If it is not that ferocious, if it is just something that, hey, you know, I wish I would have taken this turn versus that turn 20 years ago. Maybe that's one you can handle on your own or maybe with the help of a friend. There's all these varying degrees, and, and it requires honesty. But at the end of the day, I think the absence of curiosity leading to that reflection is one of the big contributors to the problem. Um, and those of you in the audience who have been working on yourself and have been growing your emotional intelligence, uh, what I love about our competencies, there's one in there that's just – it's more than a competency. Empathy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about it in this frame because we want you to f- – I think it's important that when I encounter someone that has low emotional intelligence, is not to rush to judgment. Start with empathy. 
mm-hmm. because that empathy will open up the door for you to begin to be curious. Oh, I wonder what would cause that person to do that. And the, the self-empathy part is what causes me to do that. Exactly, right? And I, I, th- I think that's, that's, that's key, and that's where we wanted to go with this. We, we want to identify the problem because it is a problem. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. But it also is rooted around a desire to um, – because it'd be great if we could sprinkle some magic pixie dust through this recording and you could just take it and give it to somebody, and then the next day they're very high, highly emotional intelligent. But in all likelihood, that's not going to happen. Um, Jeff, even if we had organizations lined up down the street tenfold, you know, we're not going to get to everybody. Mm -hmm. And even our colleagues and peers out there are not going to get to everybody. So it's almost one of those things like, okay, this is what it is. You've got a boss that's not emotionally intelligent. You have a spouse, you have a brother, a neighbor, uh, whatever the case may be. So this is kind of a pivot to um, what do we what do we do with this when we're in that situation? Um, you know, and, and it'll kind of be a blend, Jeff, of what are some solutions? Maybe it is a little bit more about what do you think we can do to make it better, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. Um, so let, let's kind of go there. Let's use the example of I have a boss that has low emotional intelligence. And, and we know that we go into the definition, this person does not manage their thoughts and emotions for optimal decision making. Whether it be when they get angry, they explode. Or when they get sad, they withdraw. All those things. What are some things that you could think of that a person could use, some tools, some tips around that? Well, I think to start with, um, in in the religious realm, realm, there's something called being a witness, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean you're witnessing something. You're letting other people witness you. And I think one of the first steps is you show that person that you have emotional intelligence, even if they don't understand what it is. Mm-hmm. They're witnessing you practice it, and that sometimes right there gets other people curious. You know, I just laid this really horrible thing on you, and you just calmly said, "Okay, let's let's take care of this," instead of blowing up like I would have blown up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, the very first thing that you need to do is is be a let people witness you practicing the emotional intelligence. So it's almost that adage of caught versus being taught. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that that goes back to the curiosity. Mm-hmm. If that person sees you practicing emotional intelligence, that might be the, the curiosity starter for them. Why did they do that? Why didn't they respond mm-hmm. like everybody else did? They also would have to – maybe I'll just couch it, the question this way. Do we need to be in a place where we we need to understand that this is not an overnight job, right? Right. It's not exactly. like they witness you being emotionally intelligent and they come to you and say, okay, I got to help me out. How do I get to be like you? I mean it's a possibility, but the probability is very low that that's going to happen. <laughs> right. So more than likely, I'm going to have to be in another staff meeting with that boss, for mm-hmm. example, and – 
and and that type of thing. How, what do you think is the key to sticking with it? Well, if we're talking about emotional intelligence, we're going to talk about what are the consequences if I keep doing it. Cons- mm. cons- consequential thinking. Right. If if I continue down this path and put put the work I need to put into mm. working with this person, what can the consequences be? Consequences are probably not going to be worse than they are now. Right. Consequences are probably going to be even if it's just with me, he might start reacting differently mm-hmm. because they're not getting the response that they normally get from people. So there's that. You know, we mentioned empathy before. Having empathy for that person and Well Jeff, what if I say, Jeff, I don't like him. He's a jerk. He or she's always always pulled the rug out from underneath <laughs> me. And so what what do you say to that person? Empathy doesn't have anything to do with liking someone. Oh, <laughs> okay. For the win, Jeff East. <laughs> you know, it's just like forgiveness. You don't forgive somebody because you like them. You forgive somebody because you need to get at, out of your system. So by showing somebody empathy, in a way you're kind of forgiving them for how they're acting. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness is, like I said, it's not between you and the other person. It's mainly internal for you that you're not going to have those ill feelings. Yeah, because in the end, if somebody needs to be forgiven as an individual, the only time that that's really relevant to them is if they've actually asked you for that. Right. right? Mm Because otherwise, it's really an inside job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you can't – when you show someone empathy, you can't expect them to give it back Mm -hmm. or to even acknowledge that you're showing it. Yeah. That's not what it's about. Yeah. That 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 empathy that you're giving that person is keeping you on an even keel, keeping you on the path of emotional intelligence. Yes, and um we can touch on this in a minute uh about the impact of when we don't show empathy and we don't extend forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh and when we don't allow how we might feel about someone to get control of us, mm-hmm. right? Because if you think about it, if the only people that you can apply this to are the ones that you like or love, uh, it's going to be a pretty small audience, <laughs> I mean, in the end, because liking someone can change from day to day, week to week, exactly. hour to hour, right? I mean, depending on how the relationship mm-hmm. and where it may be. I mean, because it's easy for me to typically point out where other people are missing the boat. <laughs> it's much cha- more challenging for me to apply that to myself. Right. What do you think curiosity for ourselves, our, our patterns, our behaviors could do to help in that regard? Oh, you know, it's it's funny. We, we just completed a, a podcast that that will be out there for everyone. And we talked a good bit about reflection. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm not saying you need to spend hours and hours and hours reflecting, but if you have a, a you have a situation with this person that, you know, is is giving you the the problem, take some time to reflect back on that interaction, and just see could I have done something different? Uh, is there a, a way I could have responded differently to this person? Or think about maybe what's going on with that person. They may be having something bad happening to them right? Th- that is causing them to be this way. So just more often reflect. than not, isn't that the case? 
I mean, there's some issue, some trauma, some event that happened. They they could have an ill parent. They could have right. marital problems. The board of directors may be saying, if you don't show a fifty percent profit this month, you know whatever, whatever. it is, yeah, you yeah. you do, you don't know that, and that's where the empathy is so important because you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and yeah. and by empathy, if you're showing someone empathy, at least in your own mind, you're giving them worth. So Jeff, they've maybe made it very clear after numbers of years that they're not going to change. However, if the person who is growing their emotional intelligence continues to do that, the value is not based on one, two, or three people who are not emotionally intelligent, right. even if they have sort of appointed power, right? Yeah, I think this person that's not willing to change or, or – doesn't have the tools, doesn't have an understanding of why it's important, whatever right. that is, yeah. your emotional intelligence comes into play for your own safety or your own peace of mind. Yeah. You recognize that this person is just not going to change. But I can still maybe change the outcome by practicing my emotional intelligence. Um you mean as a coping skills? As a coping, being, yeah, being coping able skill. To manage the relationship. To manage it, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you use some of the competencies like recognizing patterns. I know this is going to happen. Right. When right. this happens, this is the way this person acts. Yeah. So I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'm not. They're still going to do it. Yeah. But I hate to say it this way, but I can't think of another way to say it. They can't help it. Mm. Okay. So. It's just like if you're swimming in the ocean and there's a shark, you know it's going to bite you. So you take what you can to protect yourself. Yeah, precaution. <laughs> yeah. So there's that other thing. Um, I mentioned uh, John McWhorter uh, earlier in the episode and um, in that podcast that I was looking at. I I'm going to throw out the recommendation that it's very, very important to get into a habit of regular reflection. Mm-hmm. And what what I find is that people do misunderstand that idea sometimes. I think they do think, Jeff, it's like you're recommending that they spend hours meditating. Uh, reflection could be that. Mm -hmm. But reflection also can happen in seconds, right? Right. I mean, the idea of, okay, uh, because we understand that some people are not in a position, they're not in a role in life, or maybe there's a situation in life where you have an inordinate amount of time to reflect. But I think it's like what we've talked about so often about this building of a practice, mm -hmm. right? If you have a practice of reflection, it might be for 10 seconds. It might be for 10 minutes. It might be for 10 hours. But it's a part of what you do. Um, absent of that, if you're not reflecting, you're going to kind of be on autopilot, right? Yeah, and then you're going to be solely relying on your patterns then. Mm. Unwrap I, that a little more. Um, your neural pathways, whatever you want to call it, it you're mm. relying on, like you said, autopilot. It's going to take the same course every time. Yeah. You know, this is what I've done before, so I'm going to do it again. Um 
despite what the consequences are, despite what the result is, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be the same thing. And yeah. by reflection, that's when you can start, okay, when this happens, I need to start thinking of it in a different way. I need to start taking a different path or the neural pathway. I need to build a new one. Yeah, and then that curiosity thing comes in as your mm-hmm. aid, right? Yeah, you, you learn, you know, when this person does this, this is how I've refl- how I've reacted in the past, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been a good result. Yeah. Okay. So, I reflect on that. Okay. So, what what can I try next? Okay. Yeah. The next time this happens, I'm just going to say okay. That doesn't mean you're getting you know trampled down. Mm-hmm. You just say okay, we'll take care of that or wh- whatever this you know needs to be said. Right. And then you start building on that, and you. Hopefully, you'll start diffusing that person because some people that are acting like that kind of like the confrontation. Yeah, there are personality types that that do thrive on that kind of conflict. That's how they get their energy. Right. And what I've discovered is when I've dealt with people like that, when I don't give them that energy, they treat me differently, usually in a much better way. Yeah. Yeah, so there's another tip within that. Another thing that I would throw out, Jeff, is this idea of – and I don't remember exactly – that was a movie, and I think I probably referenced this before in one of our episodes. It's a simple question. Is this making my life better? Mm, yes. And I don't know why that was so profound to me outside of its simplicity because it just cuts right through. It's like – is if it's making my life better, I'm probably onto something really good and I should keep doing it. If I don't know, probably pushes me toward why isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then if the answer is no, it's not making my life better, then that's a call. You need to do something. Mm-hmm. You need to reflect and evaluate. Um, I know in some addiction realms, you know, with the 12 step programs, that mm-hmm. there is that sort of a. How's that working for you? Right. Right. Um, I think if we could practice that dynamic of is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, is how I'm acting, is it making my life better? That's one of the simplest ways I could think of to get to get you that place of where, you know, I need to reflect on this. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to stress to you, and I've used this with clients, right? It's like. Okay, why don't you start off with one day a week? You're going to spend 10 minutes evaluating what it is you've endeavored to do, your vision, your mission, your goals, whatever. Um, And then you work up to something else. Maybe you work up to it's now not one day, it's bookends, you know, the first day of the week and the last day of the week. Whatever is your rhythm, whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. But like so much else. And and exercise is the wonderful analogy of – If you can build up that new or build a new neural pathway, it will become effortless. Right. Because we've talked about it, Jeff. Our brains are super efficient and they're taxed Mm -hmm. because there's so much energy and there's so much call upon our brains to do this work. It's always looking to make things efficient, if not easy for you. You know, you find that if you're a person that complains, for example, 
your brain can make you really good at complaining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As the opposite, if you're someone that typically builds people up with your, with your words, your brain can make you really good at that. And I know I, I, it was a video from uh, Josh Friedman uh, about the, how the brain works that really kind of prompted me going, you know, um, I really do have a lot of control here because if, if I commit myself after reflection curiosity, my brain will eventually get to the place where it'll make like that. I mean, it's like, go, You're gonna, we're going to do this well all the time. Um, and again, the flip side of that coin is if I've got some really bad habits or really bad tendencies or whatever the case may be, it can make me really good at it. Mm-hmm. It's just really powerful. Um, any other ideas, tips for those who may be encountering the folks that are not? You know, I think we covered a lot of the, the things that we need to think about. But I think pay attention to the empathy. You know, try to to give them the space and don't take it personally. Ah, yeah. They're more than more – than, maybe they are, but more than likely – you're not the catalyst for them acting that way. It's other things around them. So that almost implies that if you weren't standing there in front of them and it was somebody else, they would get that same right. type of and, – And you'll know if, if you've made a mistake yeah. and they get mad about it, okay, that that's – okay, that's on me. Right. I made that mistake. Right. But we don't know what's going on inside other people's heads. Yeah. And I also would say, Jeff – you know, as you just prompted me in this, this idea about self-knowledge and understanding who we are, mm-hmm. right? Um, because I do believe our culture has kind of moved to that place of where, and maybe it's social media, that there's this big audience that's with us wherever we go and whatever we do. And I know if you're carrying your smartphone with you in some ways, that could very well be true. But the reality of it is, is even if you've got thousands of followers and you get tons of likes and tons of comments, all glowing and what have you. At the end of the day, in many respects, it is you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really you. Right. It's what you are becoming. It's exactly. kind of that dance that you can only do alone. Again, we're not anti-social media, but it's sort of the order of things. Right. Why not be an emotionally intelligent person and then get thousands of followers and likes and what have you. Because then I think your perspective on that kind of thing changes, just as it is with other human beings. Right. Not everybody's going to be emotionally intelligent. Not everyone's going to behave emotionally intelligent. And Lord knows, um, we've talked about this, you know, we can share our skeletons in the closet at some point on an episode of times when we've not operated and, and, and behaved in an emotionally intelligent way. So I think there's that empathy to realize that with other people, but then it's also, again, this idea of, remember, this is working on you. Yeah. We, we, once again, I'm going to go back to the podcast we just recorded before this one. Yeah. One of the few things that you have control of is how you're going to react. Yeah, exactly. You do have a say in that matter. That's one of the, yeah. Everything else has other things that's going to influence them, but you have control of how you're going to respond to a situation. Jeff, I couldn't think of a better way to end our episode. That's, that's, a, that's a great one to tie the ribbon. Everyone, we do appreciate you tuning in. We look forward to when we're together again. Take care.
Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment alike of those kind of things just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us right jeff right we appreciate you all thank you hi everyone this is eric pennington with the spirit of eq i'm not introducing a new episode today i'm here to tell you some things that might help you Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.